0: is the bloody disgusting podcast network
1: oh look at me look at me i'm leatherface
0: Thanks, Mick Boils and ghouls Lock your doors And strap yourselves in From Los Angeles, California Bloody Disgusting Presents The Boo Crew Podcast Horror news, commentary Reviews, interviews And more With your hosts Lauren and Trevor Shand And Leone D'Antonio I'm
2: Leo I'm Lauren
0: I'm Trevor And we are The Boo Crew Welcome to episode 188
2: Here's a Boo Crew Fright Pact. In 2016 16's Better Watch Out, Selena Gomez, expressed interest in playing the role of Ashley, but decided to focus on our music career and our upcoming tour.
3: This time around, you are joined by the iconic Devin Sawa. This dude is one of our all-time faves. He'll walk you through creating one of the best horror comedies ever made, idle hands, including the original plot that never was, how he pulled off the hilarious choreography the dude is a physical comedy genius, let's just say it we talk Final Destination, making vampire flicks with Dan Zigg, hanging with John Travolta in full method acting mode and much more Devin stars in a brand new movie out this week on December 18th on VOD and digital called Hunter Hunter Written and directed by Sean Linden Also starring the great Nick Stahl From Disturbing Behavior and T3 Sin City, all sorts of great films And a tremendous performance from Camille Sullivan This is such an awesome film We strongly recommend it, do not pass this up It's also got one of the most insane Endings of all time Have an absolute blast with Devon Sawa As... Episode 188 starts now You
0: see Santa Claus Tonight, you better run for it you better run for your life! The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for ah! horror homework. We're
3: going to go around the room and around the world wide web, all the way out to Mr. Leo in beautiful downtown.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Ah!
4: The jeans you freaks and ghouls. Ah! <laughs> Leo's on the
3: ball. You can't wait. Well, we're just going to explain what we do. We highlight a horror flick to each other and possibly even you that we consider a musty or perhaps with a revisit. First of all, I just want to ask, how's everybody doing?
2: Well, I almost killed you earlier because I told you. Oh
3: yeah, I asked for a breath mint. I said, hey, do we have any breath mints? We had some pizza rolls or something that had a lot of garlic in it. And Lauren says... <laughs>
2: told him i was like you know what you should have some lysol he says we have lysol
3: and i'm like what
2: for? yeah i realized i meant listerine not thank lysol. goodness
4: thank goodness i didn't listen to and you. he was
2: like what are you doing what? to me that's how i've been obviously out of my mind how's everybody that's,
4: else i'm good i'm tired man it's just staying frosty over here virus free and um getting ready for the holidays you know
3: what are the plans looking like for the holiday season for you leo
4: probably gonna be a lot of um zoom sessions i believe
3: right any movies yeah. any movies you're excited to check out
4: yeah there's a lot of stuff some stuff we're, we'll be talking about soon but yeah there's a lot of great stuff coming out i'm kind of skipping over the holiday stuff because there's some just good original horror coming out in all these streaming platforms so stay tuned because you will hear us talk about it uh, eventually
3: i'm excited yeah. for something i just saw the other day coming down the creep show holiday special Oh, Shutter. I saw
2: that. I Axel heard about that. Yeah, Carolyn posted about it, and I was like, yes, "Oh, this that's looks right. epic!"
3: Yeah, now I'm looking forward to it. And they did a Creepshow animated special recently. That's too. cool. And I haven't, I didn't see that either. We didn't check that. Yeah. Out yet. I can't wait, man. Yeah, and that's all straight the Shutter, right? I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward that's to checking nice. out that. I'm also excited to watch some Christmas horror films. The other day yes. we started watching. Christmas Evil.
2: Yes, we oh, did. nice. <laughs>
3: it's like John Waters' favorite horror film of all time, and I want to watch. Better watch out again. I remember we discovered yeah, that last good. year. It was one of those ones, Lauren. You started watching without me, and you said you should watch this. Yeah, like you started watching and then stopped because yeah. one of those things where it ends up being so good. You're like, hey, you should watch this. We should watch this together. Yeah, yeah, fucking movie blew my mind. I can't wait to see that again. There's another one called "A Christmas Horror Story that we saw last year as well. Canadian yeah. film. Has William Shatner. Is that the one
4: with Santa? Is, with, yeah, which, he's a DJ, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that and, and like Santa, Santa
3: Krampus on the cover. Yes, that was fun. Yeah, that was amazing. I want to revisit that. And then Spencer Charnas of Ice Nine Kills, his favorite Christmas horror film of all time. And I think one of his favorite horror films. He loves this movie. Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. I'm
4: yeah. excited. I always remember the the uh, the VHS uh, cover art for that. Is that like the uh, Santa coming on the chimney with an axe or something?
3: Yes, yes, and it spawned yeah. five sequels, Damn. and then a remake in 2012 with Jamie King and Malcolm McDowell that I also have not seen. Oh wow! And that's got like a Santa on the cover with sh- uh, like shades, I think, in a in a shotgun.
2: Let's not forget <laughs> nice. about Santa Jaws. That looks. Really oh yeah, t- we put that on <laughs> the other day. Yeah,
3: what was on Prime Video? Santa (laughs) Jaws. Yeah, that's gonna be. I'm looking forward to diving diving into that one. As far as Boo Crew business, we got lots of fun stuff planned for the holiday season, including our annual Best of Party and more. Yeah. Yes. So you might not be celebrating in the same ways you used to, but you can just hang out with us, and we'll keep it festive for you because we ain't going anywhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Leaving this house.
3: And you're our family <laughs> right. listening right now. You are our family, like it or not. Yes. So uh, come on over. It is horror homework, and it's time for Leo to hand in his assignment. What do you say, studio audience?
2: Yeah, I think Leo's really excited. Like, he was- Yeah, brilliant. he was ready to yeah, go, man. He couldn't even wait. So, what did you What were the good
4: news. You know, I took that Santa hat, I put it over my eyes so I couldn't <laughs> see. I threw a dart to the wall, to, you know, the world map in my bedroom wall. And I said, I want to choose that country. What country do you think my movie pick is from this week? Japan. Good guess. Good guess,
2: Lauren. Korea.
4: Another good guess. We're going to deviate from Asia for a little bit, go back to Europe, to a little country called Poland. This one just came out recently. It's on Netflix, and it's a Polish film, 2020, called "Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight." I've heard people talking about this. Tell us yes. about it, man. Tell us. Oh man. Okay, I I never I did not watch a trailer nothing. It's really cold. I want you know I just want to see what what's this about, right? As long as it's horror. So I went in, and I'll tell you that the synopsis is pretty easy. It's you know. Addicted to technology, a group of teens attend a rehabilitation camp in the forest. Oh, I love it already. Oh my God. Yes. Let's we send, can send st- Everett. <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> let's send him.
4: <laughs> but his sinister force there intends to take them offline forever. Oh, dun dun dun. This one was, was uh, written and directed by Bartosz M. Kowalski. Pretty much down the roster from director writer and all the actors it's a whole polish crew who made this movie pretty much five teens plus a camp group leader now we're talking about two like high school like age jocks you know a high school like beauty like the popular girl a nerdy gamer and then you have this mysterious girl with a past of like suicide attempts who keeps mostly to herself but she does open up to the nerdy guy so that rounds out like your main cast here the movie um kicks off with a prologue opening scene that happens 30 years ago involving a mail carrier making a grisly discovery in the outdoor access basement of a house. Then it cuts to present day. You have a large group of teens checking in at the summer camp, except there's no typical fun summer camp outdoorsy activities. It's like, this camp is for teens addicted to technology. So at check-in, they confiscate their iPhones and iPads, anything technology. The whole idea is to go stay in the woods for a number of days or weeks to like get you like off that addiction, you know. Soon after checking in, they are divided into smaller groups of five, or they are assigned a group leader, a camp counselor of sorts, you know. The movie follows a group of five plus the leader that immediately embark on a three day hiking and camping deep in the woods. This is where the movie takes off. Now, the woods are really cool. Like, you know, they always show really cool woods and all these horror movies, like movies like Blair Witch and all that. These woods are very different, they're very unique. I'm not sure about the filming location, but there are some great, abundant cl- uh, trees close to one another near a lake, which is a campsite um, where the six of them stay. It's a really cool set for this movie. Quickly, the teens are being stalked by something in the woods. You can probably guess the movie pays homage to the 80 slashers, like the typical Friday the 13th series and uh, maybe even like a Victor Crowley scene a little bit here and there. know, there's some interesting uh, uh, homages here to other other films uh, in, the, in the slasher genre. It's interesting to see the Polish take on the teen slasher uh, genre as the actors uh, playing the teens do a very good job of acting like teens and are not like overly acting or they're not like throwing in these one-liner jokes. Like They, they do a pretty good, solid job. And mind you that this movie isn't Polish, so you're watching the English, or at least I was watching the English um, audio dub, you know? There is some crazy gore in this and it, you know, some of it comes out of nowhere. Some of it you don't even see coming, which I thought, this is great. This is like, you know, you, you always want that like surprise, you know, and they definitely give it to you.
2: That sounds <laughs> so fun.
4: this movie's is a lot of fun. The One thing that makes this movie fun too, gets you in the mood, is the music. The music is great. It is composed by uh, Radzimir Debsky. and uh, part of the music is like, it's like split into two types of music in this film. One part feels like Ed O'Brien from Radiohead, like right before they go into their first song, like where all you hear is weird sounds and that weird like warp reverse effect sense coming from a guitar. That's part of the soundtrack at times. And then the rest of it feels like traditional lullaby music with like a high-pitched humming or singing to it that makes it really creepy. You add that to the sweeping views of the setting, you know, the sun setting in the uh, desolate woods, it adds a very nice like creepy Factor to this film. So the music is great. The movie definitely, you know, takes some unexpected turns of time. The cinematography is great. And just that alone sets up a really creepy feeling about the woods. I highly recommend checking this one out. It's a recent release and it's currently playing on Netflix. Once again, it's uh, called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight.
3: Lauren and I saw a film that had its US release August 2nd, 2019. A movie that has amassed over 25 awards. It is the only other feature written and directed by Babadook creator Jennifer Kent. It is her follow-up, The Nightingale.
4: Wow. Oh, I heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. This
3: movie took my breath away. I think it's honestly up there with some of the best movies I've ever seen.
2: I would definitely agree. It's also the kind of movie that I can only watch once. It left its mark on me and it's something that I don't ever need to revisit because it's so impactful and there are parts that are incredibly hard to watch, but the acting is phenomenal and the story, it's just, it's so good.
3: It takes place during the war between, actual events, but during the war between British colonists and Aboriginal Australians, 1820 to 1832. Jennifer takes us there through amazing costumes and set pieces. It's a stunning period piece, and the plot follows a young female convict who goes on a revenge mission after the most unbelievable and truly despicable acts of evil are committed to her at the hands of a lieutenant that you will hate So much.
2: I still hate him. I still hate him.
3: Is it (laughs) tough to watch that actor and other things? The guy is amazing. The guy is uh, Sam Claflin. Recently, he was in Enola Holmes on Netflix. He was also in that movie with Shailene Woodley that's completely escaping my mind right now. Adrift? Adrift, yeah. Who wait? The main guy in a drift. Oh
2: my gosh. No, yeah. I can never watch a drift
3: again. He's an incredible yeah, actor. Yeah, he really is. He really is. To, to, really to is. bring you to that much hate watching his It's nasty. His portrayal Whoa. of this lieutenant is insane.
2: Like a despicable human the being. Most, deplorable. Yeah,
3: one of the worst humans I've ever seen committed to film.
2: And not just him, but his friends and oh there's a lot of trauma in this movie. That's the best way I think I can describe it. It's not like traditional like slasher horror. No. It's just a different kind of horror.
3: It's yeah. real world horror. It's a stunning commentary on racism and misogyny done in such a unique and bold way. The woman who plays Claire, the Nightingale, her name is Aisling Franciosi. She is unbelievable as well. Bakali Ganambar plays her guide, Billy, who takes her on this journey of incredible revenge. actor. And he's amazing too. It's kind of like the three of these people just grab you by the throat and pull you into this film. It's over two hours. So it's one of these like epic, sweeping journeys. And we watched it over a few days and we could not wait to see what was going to happen next. It was really, really something. And speaking on what you were talking about, having it be hard to watch, over 30 people walked out of screenings when it played at a festival in Sydney because they couldn't handle it. I get it. People would shout at the screen. I get it. And yeah, leave.
2: Actress Aisling Franciosi, her preparation for playing the part of Claire included. Physical training. She did horse riding and wood chopping, as well as extensive psychological research. And clinical psychologists had to be brought on to the set to help all the actors deal with like all these really brutal scenes that they were filming. They were super traumatic, and they needed that kind of support. Aisling also worked with a psychologist. Dr. Elaine Barrett, who took her to a domestic violence center to speak with staff and people that work with women who've been abused, either for a long amount of time or just incidents that were isolated. Writer-director Jennifer Kent, she wanted the film to feel authentic and honest and She wanted to pay respect to all the people that had died during the period of colonial Australia, and she didn't want to get away from the truth of what really happened.
3: If you like The Babadook and you're a fan of Jennifer Kent and what she did with that film, I think you're going to love this film. Absolutely love this film.
2: I mean, like I said, the acting makes you want to keep watching it. And it's sometimes it's hard. You know, we're parents. We have like a litter of children. (laughs) And so it
3: it, it narrows our attention span a little bit. Right. So if things aren't incredible to us right at the get go and pull you in, we usually kind of fade out of it. Either we fall asleep because it's the end of a hard day or whatever. But this is one of those ones where we were just like, okay, we're going to stop it now because we don't want to get tired. We want to see the rest of this tomorrow and kind of savor it. Drag it over the week. And yeah, it was a special watch. It's seriously, if you have not seen it, you got to give it a try.
2: Yeah, you definitely do. And let us know what you thought of it.
3: Yeah, please do. As for future projects, she has a few in development. Last report included being hired by Guillermo del Toro for his 10 After Midnight anthology show that's due to premiere on Netflix and don't hold your breath though for a Babadook sequel she says she will never allow a sequel to be made because it's not that kind of film she doesn't care how much she's offered it's just not gonna happen wow Wow! I love Jennifer Kent
2: she's awesome if it's in a word or it's in a look you can't get rid of the Babadook
1: this is Devin Sal and you're listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew
0: there's a killer out there My advice is to move your family out of the woods. Get behind me! What if we can't make it out before the
1: freeze? We don't run from our troubles.
0: You heard it, right? We don't get a lot of people
1: out here. That's what makes it so special. Nothing pushes us out of our home.
2: I'm worried about Dad. Renee says she heard a gunshot.
1: We've got a blood trail. Your husband wanted to catch a
0: wolf. Is that what he told you? Stay in this room until I come get you. Say you understand! I understand!
1: Wanna snag a wolf? You got out wolf on. Go
0: ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another thing crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy.
3: Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is an iconic actor whose fun and fearless choices have resulted in what are among the most memorable cinematic moments in genre and beyond. Beginning in TV projects like Sherlock Holmes Returns and and the award-winning show The Odyssey, he went on to be a part of perhaps your family's history with the all-time classic Little Giants in 1994. For some of us, 1995's Casper was our gateway into becoming obsessed with horror. There was his work in now and then 1998's SLC Punk, which had a tremendous effect on viewers becoming a wake up call to most to experience it. A nothing short of brilliant performance in Idle Hands and the definitive Final Destination, which earned him a Saturn Award for his portrayal of Alex Browning. In 2000, he became part of music and pop culture history, playing Stan in Eminem's video and inadvertently becoming the face of a word that has become a part of everyday life. Then came Slackers, the Emmy-nominated TV series Nikita, ABC's award-winning Somewhere Between, last year's The Fanatic with John Travolta, and so much more. He creates characters that stay with us. There's an intangible confidence, an innate sense of timing. He throws himself into the physicality of performances. There's something about him that's instantly likable. It's all these reasons we love him so much. One of his most recent projects is a nail biting thriller called Hunter Hunter. It's available on demand in digital December 18th. We are honored to welcome Mr. Devin Sawa. Yeah.
1: yeah. I am going to save this introduction and fall asleep to it every day. Every single night, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, man, thank you so <laughs> much.
3: Well, thank you for the inspiration and all this yeah. tremendous stuff you've been giving us all these years, yeah. man. And thanks again for taking the time to spend with us today. You've been a part of so many legendary moments in horror cinema. What are your earliest memories of being impacted by the genre yourself as a viewer?
1: I grew up with horror. Horror was my favorite genre from from the from the get go. I remember as early as six, seven, eight years old, there was this uh, video store no longer there called ABC video that would let us rent whatever we wanted. And we'd go in there and we'd rent whatever Friday the 13th or nightmare on Elm street or Pumpkinhead, or critters or you, you all, whatever we, we, the guy would rent us whatever we want. We were seven, eight years old, the more disgusting toxic Avenger. They like, whatever was just gross we'd rent. And so, when Idle Hands came along, first of all, Idle Hands came along, I I remember being like 11, 12 years old and having a trampoline and mimicking everything Bruce Campbell did. The whole hand stuff. So the script, which was called something else at the time, comes in and there was one little bit in, this, in the original script. The mother gets possessed and the mother is like that's mainly the thing. And there was one bit where my hand gets, gets possessed. And I walk into this, I'm fearless. I think 18 years old, I walk into this Sony meeting, all these executives there and producers and whatnot. And I just start Bruce Campbelling all over the goddamn room with my hand. And, And it kind of evolved from there. I got the part and it became a little bit more comedy than it did, than it was originally written. And, Seth Green came on and Eldon, and, and so I've always, I've always really been excited about horror and especially the kind of weird horror, the, the either, either so sick like Texas chainsaw or pumpkin head or any of these or evil dead too, where it's just so wacky and, and awesome and fun and, That's why I keep going back to horror. Whenever there's a horror film, I I just keep going back. I I did this exorcism of Molly Hartley, and I just, I was, uh, you know, it didn't, it was what it was, but I just wanted to be in horror again. I just got, I always got to kind of come back and and do it again, you know. What do you like so
3: much about performing in that space? The Boo Crew will be right back. Hi, I'm Sam Raimi, the director of The Evil Dead. I've invited uh, Jonathan Ross to see my new movie, Evil Dead 2. I don't
2: believe this. Say, you, uh, you think this will scare the audience as much as the first one? Yeah, that's a safe bet, Sam. It's uh, got a lot more surprises. Ah! Oh, yeah, it's got a lot in it to uh, grab the audience.
0: There's only one movie scarier than The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. Kiss your nerves goodbye.
3: What do you like so much about performing in that space?
1: I just enjoy watching it so much. I'm just such a fan of the genre. I mean, you, you tell a painter that doesn't like to do landscapes to to paint something else, So, you know, they're always going to want to go back and paint landscapes on, on their free time. And, and I just want I just want to make horrors. And this I, I wish I could talk about the one I'm sh- going to shoot in two weeks because it's back in the idle hands kind of. Genre feel and and one of the other castmates is a huge, you know, I'm a huge fan of of him and and uh it's just wacky and and terrifying and and fun and you know we got some really good special effects people and great director and so this isn't the rumored Glenn Danzig project that I've heard of, is it? Uh, the Glenn Danzig thing is is uh, we'll see, we're gonna see about that one. That the, the Glenn Danzig uh, was an experience. So I didn't know much about Glenn Danzig other than the misfits and Glenn Danzig. And uh, so I get this script and my agent's like, well, we got this script. It's about, you know, it's a, it's a vampire spaghetti Western. I'm like, Oh my God. And they're like, and they're like, and Glenn Danzig's directing. I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And I'm like, sign me up. I'm starting doing that, and that's I didn't I didn't really know anything about Verotica at the time. That may have may have influenced my decision. I don't know, but it was an experience, and I got to meet uh, Eli Roth, who was on it, and and he kind of was like, "Let's let's just have fun with this," and we did, and and. So now we're just kind of like biting our nails to see what it turns out like. But apparently Glenn Danzig put his whole being into the soundtrack and it's wacky and and it's got that dustal dawn kind of feel. So dude, it's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be a ride, man. <laughs> hell <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hell
3: yeah. I want to go back to Idle Hands for a sec. So when you first read the script for Idle Hands, on paper, did it look as insane as the movie played out? Were you were you reading this going, are they going to actually make this? Can they actually pull this off?
1: No, Idle Hands was at a time when I know what you did last summer and Scream were the biggest things ever, and so Idle Hands and even the director that they, they the first director was Henry Selick, who comes from the Tim Burton yeah. World. And that's where I fell in love. I fell in love with that. I was like, oh my god, I, I love Tim Burton. Oh my god, this is. And that's when I went into the original edition for him. I it was living in that world. It was living in the Evil Dead Two meets fucking Beetlejuice meets. That's where I was. And then, yes, the studio was really kind of leaning towards we. You know, these teen movies are really really popular, and we want to make that. So they hired this other director, Robin Flennner, who's great, and he was leaning more towards that way. But it, it was it was starting to feel a little bit like. I know what you did last summer where we were trying to go that way, where we're trying to take a series. And then I just, I leaned all the way into fuck those films. Like they are what they are, but we're going to make this film and this film is going to last. It's going to be campy and it's going to be over the top. And
3: yeah, it was like the antidote to all that, that stuff. And it kind of set off a sea change in, in the world of horror as well. What you guys did with it, which is just, I didn't
1: want, want to make that. And then sure enough, I made that a couple of years later with final destination, but, but I, I wanted to be, I wanted, I was living, I was still in the fuck you to the, to the team magazine stage of my life where doing Stan, I was doing, you know, SSC punk. I was doing idle hands. I didn't want to be a cover of a, you know, big bop magazine anymore. So it was all. How much
3: choreography went into Anton and bringing him to life and all those scenes where you're throwing cats around and you're maintaining like a sense of recklessness out of control, but then there's this focus control in this one part of your body.
1: Yeah. Two things. I, I did I had this apartment that overlooked, it was facing another apartment building. And I remember always rehearsing with my blinds wide open. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I had multiple floors of people that just thought I was this insane, insane person because I, I, the, the remote scene, I had a pillow in one hand and I had the remote yeah. in the other. And I was on oh, my couch is doing this. And like my blinds are wide open. Cause I don't, don't give a shit at that point. It was a lot of rehearsal. There was a lot of fearlessness. Um, I didn't care. They, a lot of the stuff that didn't make the movie was just like, there was a whole salad bar bit where my hand just made a, a salad. <laughs> with you know what I mean? It, it, and I guess it was just too much, but I just wanted to give them as much as I could. Um, there was tons of stuff in that burger joint scene that was, I mean, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. And, 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 I'm, the movie that I'm doing next, I got to find out where I was in my life to be that fearless again. Like when you're 18 years old. You don't like, you don't really, you don't care so much. You're just going to try shit. And like, it's just, you know, it's like this, I guess it's like almost like an athlete. Like when the, the young, the young athlete is just, I, I don't know. It's just, I gotta, I gotta try to find that space in the next couple of weeks and go back there. Cause I want, I want to make another, what I call these, uh, these shelved movies where like back in the day, you used to have like 15, 20 movies on a shelf that you would brag to your friends about. And there's always like the Glenn Gary and lost fellas, whatever it was that you're made up your particular shelf of movies. And, and I want this to be one of those, that like, the Boondock Saints or the Pulp Fictions. Or
2: did you keep anything from Idle Hands? Like, do you keep stuff from your movies? Oh, oh you wait, 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 where are we going?
1: Um, no. Oh my
2: gosh, that's amazing.
1: The stand in hand, this, this, they gave me this, at the, they gave me this and they gave me the inhaler, which my friend still has. I gave it to him. Yeah, that's it. I got the stand in hand and I got the, the little inhaler thing. That is so, so great.
3: Bad. Well, speaking of that, how was it like as you being a massive horror fan that you were going into it, working with all these practical effects, probably for one of the first times in your career? How was that experience?
1: It was a lot of fun. They um the when my hand gets chopped off, they were actually they were actually going to do the whole movie with they were put a, a green uh, sock over it and digital digitalize the the my arm out. But I was so skinny and like agile back then that they I bent my hand. I can't do it anymore. But they bent my hand up and put my hand in the sock and then just built this little stub. And so I did the whole movie and, and I saved them a gang of money because. Uh, <laughs> We had guys walking around with just buckets of blood. We had, I mean, the guy that did did the hand once it's cut off, you know, animatronic heads. It was it was just a blast. I remember that.
3: And that movie also had a really iconic soundtrack that had everyone from Rob Zombie and Blink 182. It was like the best of the best that was going. Were you was any of that stuff in your wheelhouse at that time? Were you like vibing with the soundtrack at all?
1: At that time, I was listening to you know Dre and Eminem, and that was my early days of all that stuff. But listen, the Offspring and Blink One Eighty Two, and I mean it was it was great. I think that movie introduced me to Rob Zombie, and uh, I've been a fan ever since. My kid loves that song. That's actually in Idle Hands.
3: Also, like twenty years of Final Destination. Did
1: you really read the
3: script for Final Destination on an airplane?
1: I did. I did read <laughs> the on. on uh, I think it's been. It wasn't as as it's made out to sound, but yeah, I think I did read it on, on the way back. Everything was still, you know, snail mail, and and I'd gotten that. I was in Vancouver, and I got that script, and I read it on the plane home. Wow.
3: And, what were you going to say?
2: I also read that during the scene, you in the opening scene, you were supposed to be asleep, and you fell asleep for four hours.
1: As fun as that sound, there's a darker version of that story. <laughs> oh, no. In a nutshell, I, I, at that time of my life, I was partying pretty heavily and, and like I was just going out every night and so the first scene up in the morning after a night of craziness was this scene where I had to lay in bed and just basically lay in bed and I fell asleep and they just they just let me sleep and they just moved the cameras around and and, sh- and I think they they had to put my arm back into continuity position and I kind of just probably drooling and whatever but they did it yeah I think if I did that now if I had partied all like at, at the age of 42 if I like partied all night and came to set and like fell asleep <laughs> I don't know if it would go right, Yeah, different 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 time. Different, different <laughs> yeah, but morning, as, right. as a
2: parent, you would I mean, I would instantly fall asleep. Like I'm so tired. That's being true. A it's true.
3: Yeah, the other end of it. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Get me away from my kids for five seconds, put me in a bed. I'm <laughs> down. <doubt. laughs> what was the architecture in pulling off some of those insane scenes in that film? Like you've got the live wire that you're fighting with over top of Valley Larder's car, for instance, things like that. Was that how much of that was you? How much of it was stunt people? How was that coordinated?
1: i remember doing a lot of my own stunts again like idle hands final destination even though it was a lot bigger of a budget it, it relied a lot on practical effects i think it was the it was a la- it was the only final destination movie that relied so much on practical effects the train sequence was done with a large mirror the bus was was putting two frames over top of each other it was a lot of practical old-fashioned camera tricks and stuff like that
3: how did they do that plane crash
1: the plane was on a big hydraulic gimbal like it was like this big thing that, that they had a plane built on top of and a guy with a joystick would just kind of move us around. They did have green screens outside of those windows. And then once the, once the thing gets blown apart, that was green scene. And when and the, the, there was like a, an arm that would drag people out on the, on the seats, it was nutty. It was, it was a lot of fun. Now they wouldn't do that anymore. Now we'd be all, we'd all be sitting on green boxes with green, you know, everything would be, would be green screen.
2: Was there anything else in that script, like any other deaths that they didn't use because they wanted to, like, dial it back? Anything more horrific that wasn't filmed?
1: No, not in that one. Every Final Destination got a little bit more gory towards, you know, five. Uh, they used all the deaths. I know that, that we shot the original version was me uh, dying. And then the, we came back a couple months later and shot a, a new version because they didn't want me to die. And then in the sequel, I die. So, um, yeah, no, all the deaths, all the deaths made it.
3: Twenty nineteen's the fanatic. So you got to work with the incredible John Travolta. What was being there for his watching his process transforming himself into Moose? What was that like to see?
1: We had worked together a couple of years before that on something, and he he uh, he suggested me for this. And there were two different experiences. The first time we worked on this uh, electrical lineman feature thing. And uh, you know it was John Travolta, and he was great. He was into it, and he he uh, you know did his thing. But for Moose, he he really really loved this character, and he would get out of the van in the morning as Moose, and he would go through makeup as Moose, and he would be, stay in character all day long. And it was awesome to watch. It was it was a uh, unfortunately we didn't have enough days, I think. But listen, John is. Uh, he's incredible to work with like it's it's the 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 greatest thing about him is he loves to talk and he loves to talk about his old stories so and i'd love to listen like i I, i'm a fan i'm a fan i'm a legit fan of that kind of stuff so when he wants to talk to me about his experience with muhammad ali or or uh, whoever it whoever he's got a billion stories of, of Marlon Brando. He's got all these stories of Marlon Brando. And I'm like, I feel like I was the only one that, that legitimately wanted to like, tell me more, tell me more. And he would tell me these amazing stories of how him and Sean Penn were in Mexico and Marlon Brando was doing this. It was, it was like, i ah, so yeah. amazing. Or pulp fiction, like it's like no one wants to talk to him about pulp fiction or something because he just wanted to tell me about all these different set things that were happening and and you know we talked about the briefcase and and all, all sorts. Oh, of
3: Oh, that's amazing! What an experience, <laughs> awesome. man! What an experience! Yeah. Tell us how you get involved with Sean Lyndon and this amazing new flick, Hunter Hunter. How long ago was that?
1: So Sean Lyndon. Uh, d- a couple weeks before we started shootings, when I got involved. He, he They've been battling to get this thing made for eight, nine years. I think I have seven, eight, nine years. I don't, I don't know long time. And it was up and running, then it fell apart and then it really fizzled away. And then it came back and, and finally somebody pulled the trigger on the financing and, um, I got the script, I read the script and, uh, you know, it was, it's not horror, horror until the end, um, it's psychological. It's just something i had to do it was something different um it was very grown up i'm playing a father and yeah uh, sean uh sean sold me on the whole thing It was definitely something i wanted to do
4: yeah this movie is uh really awesome man by the way <laughs> it's soaked in so much mystery i mean working with director sean linden uh was your character arc or, or the film ending perhaps kept from you
1: no it wasn't but but it was uh extremely different than the way I read it on when you read it on page, it says like, blah, 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 blah happens. Right. And you're like, Oh, okay. That, that happens. That's, that's terrifying. And, and, um, and uh, it's in your imagination and they can go two ways. They can either mess it up completely, or they can, they can expand on what you thought it would be like. And it was what they, they, I mean, it was all these great artists came together. the, The special effects team, the director, the, the, the DP and Camille who just kills it in this movie. And they blew me away. The ending, the ending is something I think people are going to talk about for for a small little uh, indie film like this, it it's it's great.
3: So the conversations, sure. the conversations between Joe and Ann that we see, there's a lot of like earnest poetry to you guys at the beginning. There's some scenes that yeah. you know, really beautifully worded scenes at the beginning of this yeah. film. Was there anything in that language that was being used in the film that you really gravitated towards or you enjoyed?
1: What spoke to me a lot is the, the the conflict that they have before they before they run into this whole other conflict. He comes from generations of hunters, and uh, no one buys beaver fur or anything like. That. So he's got to make a decision, and and he's got to you know think about his daughter, and and so they're really in a crossroads right now with what they're going to do with their lives until they're thrown this curveball. You know what I mean? So it really kind of. It really as a father now and, and uh, you know, it had me thinking about, you know, what what would I do if like, you know, if, if all of a sudden they went digital with all the actors like they you know what I mean? And I had to like think about moving back home and starting a new life and doing something else because, you know, they real actors are not being used anymore something like that. You know what I mean?
2: The woods where it takes place is beautiful and scary at the same yeah. time you feel like all alone. Where was that shot?
1: So we shot it in Winnipeg, Canada. If you want to ever feel what like a real legitimate Canadian cold is, it, like you hear Toronto's cold, you hear Montreal's cold, Winnipeg is is a different kind of cold. So even it, like it looked cold, but it was a lot colder than it looked. It was we had a it was there was one day we were actually rushing to finish early because we had heard that there was a snowstorm coming through, and this is like mid October. And uh, we finished and you're like, I oh, will well, come. I mean, I'm sure the weather guy's not right. But sure enough, that night they had a record snowstorm and we were snowed in for the entire weekend. And it's, it's it all. But it all played into it. It all played into that kind of that that spooky haunting feel of, of being isolated out in, in the middle of, the, of nowhere in, in the Canadian wilderness.
4: Yeah. As your character is quite the experienced outdoorsman and hunter. How did you prepare for the role?
1: So I, I come from Canada, so I grew up, you know, not, not that much, but I, I had the, the evergreen forests and, uh, and the, the great outdoors a little bit. So it, it was just a matter of getting back into that field. You know what I mean? That, that, that outdoory feel. But I, I don't come from that world at all, that, that isolated, survive off the land. Um, so I, I had to really listen to Sean and learn and, and um, just do a lot of imagining.
3: This film is also such a journey in that it's got a really unique way of twisting perspectives around, right? Like when Anne and Renee go to the Rangers for the first time, it all of a sudden makes us question everything that happened before. And there's a couple other moments in the film that do that discovery in the woods, perhaps it changes everything around. Talk about the way that the story is constructed where all bets are off and the audience really is helpless.
1: Yeah. uh, When I, when I first read this I don't know if it's an ego thing or I, I don't know, but when I first read it I, for the first 30 pages. I was like, I guess I'm the lead of this. I'm going to save the day. This is my movie. I love it. <laughs> and then some stuff happens. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, that's <laughs> awesome. That's I didn't see that coming at all. That's why I think the movie's so smart is he kind of just he just you guys. You go in one way and all of a sudden you're going another way. And then all of a sudden you're going a whole different way. And, um, and then the ending.
4: In terms of those practical effects, the scenes where you were uh, gutting the game and cutting and stuff, how was that achieved?
1: We had a couple of furs that we that the special effects guy put whatever they could. You know, it was a little hamburger meat used here and there. Um, other than that, it, we, we, I mean, you can't you can't use real animals. You can't do any of that stuff anymore but but i really had to when when talking about it i had to know exactly what i was doing i didn't know that if you you know pierce the the stomach and the fluids drip on the meat the meat is no good anymore there's there's i mean i had to i had to look like it was second nature and i and i didn't flinch at all but we used a lot of just basically stuffed teddy bears with blood packs and and whatnot so no, no real animals were killed. Thank God. Cause I wouldn't, I'm, I'm a big animal lover. And so
3: incredibly realistic yeah, though, man, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, it's it creepy to great. watch. It's really creepy it to great, watch. Yeah. What was your reaction to seeing that ending? The first time you saw the ending,
1: like I said, it's, it's just, you read it on page and you're anxious to see, you know, it's caught that the only problem is I knew it was coming. So like, it's not as powerful as someone, as someone that doesn't know it's coming, but they went above and beyond of what i read on page and you know camille really sold it when she opens the door and finds the other thing but that happens before the thing is it's, and they didn't show something and like it's all it all works so well it all works so well it really does yeah. man it's tremendous
3: yeah. tremendous we yeah, can't wait amazing. for everybody
1: to see it it's so awesome yeah
2: I know this is a really random question, but did anything creepy happen in the woods? I always ask if people have any paranormal experiences or just something
1: off. No, we had, I did a movie with Stallone a couple years ago where we were at the Shawshank Redemption uh, prison and uh, the crew members, a lot of the crew members swore they, they saw things and heard things. And there was a lot of that going on this particular movie. I think the only thing we were really concerned about is actually running into wildlife like bears. And I mean, we're out in, in where is where, you know, we're not normal there and they're normal. And so we, we were worried about, you know, grizzlies and, and, uh, and uh, stuff like that. Wolves. I mean, that's the only thing that was kind of was, was, frightening.
4: Weather aside, uh, what was the most challenging uh, scene to film?
1: Hmm. I think that, uh, I think that de- keeping it really grounded and, and realistic with the daughter scene, because with my kids, I'm, my kids, are, I tend to be very bubbly and very, you know, I, I love of jokes and we keep it very light. I'm a like a pushover dad, mom's the disciplinarian. So I, I really wanted to keep it very stern and, and, and uh, or else it, you know it wouldn't be realistic and and no no joking or laughing or, or anything like that this is a this is a stern serious man and and she's learning the ways of the world and so that was a lot of challenging because you know we were having fun off set and and the cast and the crew and and so you know but it all comes down to, the weather really was what was the challenging part of the whole movie i think definitely if we were using any real animals or I had to skin any like dead, I think that would have been the most challenging, but it's relatively easy to talk about. You've got to cut here and this when you're just cutting a glorified teddy bear or you know what I mean? Perfect dude. Thank you
3: again so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been an absolute delight. Something we've wanted to do for a long time. So we really appreciate it, man.
1: Love you guys over there. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode
4: 188. Special thanks to our guest, Devin Sawa. Follow at D.
3: on Instagram and at Devin E. Sawa on Twitter and see Hunter Hunter on VOD and Digital at time of release December 18th.
2: Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast from The Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales From The Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye the bloody disgusting podcast network home of the boo crew for horror centric interviews scp archives weekly cast storytelling <laughs> horror queers genre commentary from an lgtbq perspective and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts